Psalm 27. Psalm 27. In the main, the main point of Psalm 27 is where is your confidence? Where do you find your confidence in life? I read a quote this week and it said that confidence is what you have before you understand the problem. I like that. I think sometimes that's true in life. We have confidence until we realize how tough things are and then the confidence seems to go out the window. You know, the Bible uh, says that without faith it is impossible to please God. Not unlikely. It's not a possibility. The Bible says if you don't have faith, you will not please God. In, in your personal life, if you're living a life and you have no faith, you're not pleasing the God. In your family, if you have no faith, you're not pleasing the God. In our church, if we're doing all the different programs of ministry and all of our different schedules, but we're not doing anything by faith, then our church is not pleasing the God. So I look at my life, and man, I want to please God. And I, I trust that you do too. I, I want my life to be pleasing to my Lord and Savior. And so I begin to look, what is, what is faith? If it takes faith to please God, what is faith? Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the assurance, yours might say confidence, the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I've said it before, maybe you've heard me say it. I, I've told you that faith is difficult for me. I've told you that I am a kind of analytical, and if I'm just being real honest with you, I'm a control freak, okay? I like to have control of, of everything. I like to have it laid out. I like organization. And so I like all of this stuff lined up. And so I, I've said that, that faith is difficult for me in my life. But I realized this week that is nothing but a cop-out. Because here's, here's what I found. As I go through life, I am a man of great faith. When I took Case and she was sick not long ago, and we took her to the doctor. We go into the doctor, and our doctor is Dr. Hudson. I don't even know his first name. I like the guy. Brittany knows his first name. I don't know his first name. But we go in. I don't know where he went to school. I don't know what kind of grades he made. I don't know much about his family. There's very little I know about this man. But I go, and I, I put my little girl down in his arms, and I let him begin to look in her nose and up her mouth and in her ears. And I, like to, I let this stranger begin to push all over her body. And then he makes a recommendation, and he says, what we need is we need an injection of, and he tells me this medication that I've never heard of. And so he says, we're going to give her this medication, and then we're going to call in a prescription to Walgreens, that's your pharmacy, to pick up and to use for 10 days. And what do I do? Yes, sir, that sounds good. And then this nurse comes in. I don't even know the first name or the last name of the nurse. Never seen her before in my life. And she walks in the door, and she's got this syringe of something. I'm assuming it's the medicine that he just told me about, but I don't know that for sure because I don't see her draw the medication. I don't go to the woman and check the dosage on the syringe. And I let this woman that I don't know, I don't know her background, I don't know her history, I don't know her education, I don't even know her name, but I let her come up to one of my most prized possessions and stick a needle in her leg while I hold the baby down and inject this medicine into her body. 
I'm a man of great faith. And then I go to the pharmacy. And I get in line. You've been to Walgreens lately? You have got to wait forever to get some medicine. So I wait and wait and wait. And then I, I finally get to my spot. And I don't even see the pharmacist. All I see is the, the pharmacy tech. And they take my money and then they send the medication. Now, realize, in the pharmacy, I'm just assuming there are hundreds, if not thousands, of medications. There are thousands upon ten thousands of capsules and of liquid medication. But I get this medication realizing that there are so many opportunities for a mistake. I mean, when you're counting pills or you're making doses, all this stuff, anybody could make a mistake. But what do I do? I take the medication and I just begin to feed it to my 11-month-old child. I am a man of great faith. Last time you got in an airplane, you know what you did? You put your life in the hands of a man or a woman that you have never met. You don't know where they are emotionally. You don't know their mindset. You don't know their training. But you get on that plane and you sit there and you trust that they will get you from point A to point B safely. Every one of us in here, we have faith every day of our life. So if we're going to be honest, what's difficult is not being men and women of faith, but it is having faith in God. That is often difficult for us in life. The main point of Psalm 27 is that my confidence is in God. I find my strength in God. Look at verse 1. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, how do we find this rock-solid confidence? How do we find this ability to stand firm despite what we face in life? Or maybe the question should be, where do you run to when life gets difficult? Where do you run to? For some of us, if we're honest, we would say, man, I, I find my confidence in my money. As long as I've got money in the bank and my bank account is strong, then I feel secure. For some of us, it's a job. As long as my job is going well and I feel like there's a future, then I feel secure. For some of us, it's a relationship. I run to my wife. I run to a parent. I run to a friend. And they are what keeps me level. And they bring me this peace in life. And so when I run to these folks, then I can continue on in life. What the psalmist says is that God is the place that I find my confidence. And he begins to line it up. He says, God is my stronghold, God is my light, and God is my salvation. You realize what a stronghold is? A stronghold, if you'll picture just the foundation. The stronghold is the picture when things are just beginning to blow all around you. And life gets hectic. It's something that you can grab hold of and it just it keeps you level-headed. It just keeps you put. It gives you this solid foundation. And so he says, God is my stronghold. Not only is God my stronghold, he says, God is the light. You remember when you were, some of you got to think back a little bit now. You remember when you were a kid? Maybe you did this, maybe you didn't. I would lay in bed, and I would begin to think, and I would see something shadow on the wall, and I'd be thinking, I wonder what that is. Or I'd hear something, and it sounded like it was under the bed. I wonder what's under my bed. 
You think somebody broke in the house and they're under the bed? You, you think there's some kind of monster under the bed? Remember when you're a kid, you start thinking these things? And the only way to drown that out is to do what? You get up and you turn the light on. When you get up and you turn the light on, all of a sudden you see what there really is. And you see that what was on the wall was just a shadow of something from this angle and there's really nothing to it. And so he says, God is my light. Everything looks dim around me, but when the light comes in, the darkness is vanished. You see, darkness is the absence of light. In the New Testament, the Bible, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And so when we realize who God is, when we realize that he is the stronghold, he is the salvation, he is the light, you know what that leads to? It leads to a great confidence. What we need in life is we need to be confident in the Lord that we serve. Because when we get to know him and we have this confidence in him, it leads to great things for our life. Now, do you want to know what it leads to? He goes on and he says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And then he says, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When we have a great faith, it drives the fear away. Fear and faith do not coexist. Fear and faith do not live in harmony together. Where there is faith, there is not fear. And where there is fear, there is not faith. And so he says, God is the one, because of his character, who drives out my fear. Now, I want to read you a couple of verses that you will know well. And they're some of my favorites. And then we'll discuss them. Isaiah 41.10. It says, fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Somebody say amen. That's a good verse, isn't it? Well, you, you've read that. You've, you've given that to someone at a time of despair in life. That is a great verse. Or Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then what happens? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, that's a good one too, isn't it? <clears throat> Don't be anxious. You've got this struggle you're going through. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious about anything. But in all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And I'll say amen to that. That sounds great. If I can go through life and not be anxious, if I can go through life and have no worries, if I can go through life and have this confidence, sign me up for that because that sounds wonderful. Or Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, now here's my point. Those verses give us an incredible promise. And many of us in here, we know those verses. Many of you, you can quote those verses. You have read those verses. You have studied those verses. But some of us in here, those verses are very hard to practice in our life. And they're very hard to practice because we don't have the confidence in God. 
You see, if we have the faith, if we have the confidence in God and we realize who he is, all of a sudden the things of this world begin to get very small. If we realize that he is the light, he is the salvation, he is the stronghold, if we realize that he takes care of the the birds in the field and he takes care of the flowers, how much more so will he take care of us? All of a sudden we read these verses and they come alive in our heart and we say, I will not be afraid. I will not be anxious. Because I know who my God is. And the psalmist is saying, I have this confidence because God is my light. He is my salvation and he is my stronghold. And maybe I'm just preaching to myself because I have told you I am one that I worry They say worry is like a treadmill. You get worn out, but you don't go anywhere. It's true, isn't it? But worry is a sign that we are lacking faith. And so the verse continues, verse 2, and it says, When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh and my adversaries in foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Here's the point. He's talking about an all-out battle that's raging. He's talking about folks that are coming for his flesh. They are coming to kill him. The, The soldiers have marched in. And so the point is this. The problem that he is facing is a big problem. You got it? He's not talking about a little problem. Because for some of us, we have this limit on God. And we say, God, I will trust you with a problem until it gets to this point. And once it gets to this point, once it gets to this level, my faith goes out the window. But see, the psalmist says, man, things are really tough. They are coming in all around me, and they're coming to devour my flesh, but yet I am still confident in God. Well, we see a man who has faith regardless of the circumstances around him. You know when it's easy to have faith? When everything's perfect in life. When you've got money in the bank and your marriage is strong and your kids are healthy and happy and your job, I mean, everything's going well in life, then we can all stand and we can join hands and we can say, praise God, praise God, let's have faith. But it's difficult when the enemies start coming in after you. It's difficult when there's a tension in your life. And so he says, things look rough. But I still believe. You know what faith is? Faith is even when it doesn't make sense, you step out and you do what God tells you to do. You see, we see that all through the Bible. Remember when Peter stepped out of the boat? Now, realistically, when you step out in the water, you fall. The odds are against you on that, right? But when you trust God, you can walk on it. Remember David and Goliath? I mean, realistically, this little boy has no chance against this massive warrior of a man. But faith says, I don't care about the odds. I don't care about the circumstances. God said, do it, and my confidence is in God. Remember Daniel in the den of lions? There's no way that he can withstand these hungry lions. They are built to devour his flesh. But when God's in it, everything changes. So, see, what are you going through that you're not trusting God with? What are you going through and you say, man, I've got confidence But it's kind of reached its limit now, and I'm starting to lose my trust. Next thing I want you to see is this. Not only does great faith lead to a great confidence, 
but great faith leads to a great intimacy. Great faith leads to a great intimacy. Look at the next verse, verse 4. It's an amazing verse. He says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What is your top priority? Y'all remember the movie Aladdin where they, they find the lamp and he rubs the lamp and then genie comes out of the lamp and he gets three wishes? If tonight you could have any wish in the world, what would it be? Would it be that, that you would have just a large sum of money? Would it be that you would have just a great amount of success? Maybe that you would have fame, fortune, popularity? You see, what, what we see here, what David is saying here, is if I could have anything in the world, Lord, if you would grant any request in the world, you know what I want? You know what I long for? You know what I desire more than anything else? To seek God, to dwell in his presence, and to gaze upon his beauty forever. If I could have anything in the world, it is just to be in the presence of God and to be dwelling upon his beauty. You see, a great confidence leads to a great intimacy. Imagine that. He says to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. It, it almost sounds like he's obsessed, doesn't it? I mean, even if you said that to your spouse, it's kind of a bit much. What do I want, baby? I want to just gaze on your beauty. Oh, I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's a bit much. And he's not even speaking to a spouse. He's speaking to God. And he says, what I want is I want to dwell in the house of the Lord, and I want to gaze on your beauty. I want to get closer to you. I want to know you on a deeper level. I want to just be with you. You remember in the Bible, King Xerxes was here, and Queen Esther came up, and then he said, anything you want, I'll give it to you. Up to half of my kingdom, I'll give it to you. That, that's the mindset that, that he's calling back to. And he says, man, if I could have anything, if God came and said, I'll give you any desire of your heart, the psalmist says, my desire is just to be closer with you. It reminds me a lot of what we saw last week. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates day and night. It doesn't say his duty is on the law. It says his delight. He, he has this longing to grow deeper and deeper with God. I'm afraid that sometimes in our Christian faith, we make it all about what we can do and what we can't do. And so we, we minimize our faith to a list of rules and a list of I can do this, but I can't do this. I can go to church on Sunday, but I can't go to the party on Saturday. I can watch this, but I can't watch this. I can listen to this, but I, and, and so we, we minimize it. And when we do so, we make our Christianity nothing but legalism. And it's so much more than that. Do you remember somebody came up to Jesus and said, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? You remember the response? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You know what he didn't say? You know, the greatest law is uh, you need to tithe to the church. Now, some pastors may like that, but that's not what he said. 
He didn't come up and say, you know, the greatest uh, law is that you better serve one another. That's not what he said. He said, the greatest is that you love God with all your heart, everything that you are. That's what David's talking about here. You're just seeking after God. And next is that you love your brother and your sister. Because when you do these two, everything else will fall into place. And so we can get up and we, we can begin to preach rules and regulations and what you should do and what you can't do and what you can do and what the Bible says. And all that is in here, but it's got to come from the foundation of love. And so what we see is there's one thing I want, one thing I desire, and that is I can just gaze upon your beauty. The Bible says, as the deer pants for water, so I long after you, God. So here's a question. At what level do you seek after God? If you're honest, at what level are you truly seeking after God? Well, it continues, verse 5, and it says, For he will hide me in a shelter in the day of trouble and will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. He talks about the protection he has lifted up, and because of this great intimacy, it leads to praise and it leads to sacrifice. Because I am so just in love with God, and I am seeking after God, and that is my greatest desire, and so I can't help but sacrifice, and I can't help but worship. And I believe that's a picture of us. If we are truly seeking after God, being a living sacrifice will be a part of our life. And we will sacrifice the things that we want and the places that we want to go and the things that we want to do because God is greater. And we'll worship. It doesn't matter if it's a Sunday morning with a full band. It doesn't matter if it's a few with a piano or with an acoustic guitar. We realize it's not about us, but I'm singing to the one who is worthy of it. I'm singing to the one who is the light, the salvation, the stronghold, and he is so good. I just can't help but sing his praises. That's the picture that we see right here. Well, we got to hurry up. Last thing I want you to see is this. Faith leads to a great confidence. Faith leads to a great intimacy. And lastly, faith at times can waver. See, look at verse 7. He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. And they breathe out violence. Now the scripture seems out of place if you really begin to study it. You really begin to look at it. The whole psalm up to this point has been a psalm of confidence. God, you're my rock. You're my salvation. God, I am seeking you. God, my enemies are coming in. They're coming to devour my flesh. The armies are encircled around me. But God, I will not waver because I believe in you. 
But now it changes. And he says, Lord, don't hide your face from me. Lord, listen to me. And it's almost like something's changed all of a sudden, and he looks around, and he sees the opposition, and he says, Lord, do you hear me? Lord, I'm calling out. Can you, can you respond? Lord, what is taking you so long? Where are you at? And it almost seems like this break to where there's all this confidence, but all of a sudden there's a little bit that says, I'm in an uneasy spot right here. Lord, are you even listening? Lord, can you hear me? And so I'm reminded of this, that on our journey of faith, there's going to be times of high, but there's also going to be times that it wavers a little bit. You remember in, in Mark 9, there's a, a man and he comes to Jesus and Jesus says, if you just believe, and then he responds with just the greatest thing. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but if I'm honest, there, there's a part that's, that's struggling with this, help my unbelief. Anybody ever feel like that at times? I mean, just if you're honest, it's like, Lord, I believe. I, I know that I've got this situation in, in my family and my kids and in my marriage, and I, I've got this situation. Lord, I believe. I, I've got faith in you. I, I've seen you work in the past. I know that you can move. I know that you can, you can have your way and you can do it. But, Lord, would you help my unbelief? Lord, there's also a side of the flesh that makes this really tough. And I don't quite know how to respond. We've been looking at the book of Mark in our small group. And so we came across a, a passage in, in Mark chapter 4. And the disciples have, they've seen Jesus do all these miracles. He's healed the sick. He has driven out demons. He has spoken with, with power. But they get out on a boat. And all of a sudden the, the wind starts raging. And the waves start bouncing up and down. And, and the water's coming into the boat. And Jesus is asleep inside the vessel. And so they, they're in a panic. They're scared. And so they, they run and they wake Jesus up. They said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The Bible says, and Jesus awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he turned to his disciples and he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? Why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And, and do you realize that in the Gospels, the one thing that Jesus gets upset with over and over and over again is a lack of faith. Here the disciples, they'd seen, they know the power, the knowledge is there. They have, they have witnessed firsthand the power of Jesus. But when it came to their own life, their faith began to waver. For some of us in here on a Sunday night, we have prayed the most powerful prayers for others. And we have called out to the Lord for others who are hurting and who are going through difficulties. And we have prayed in faith. The verses that we read a few moments ago, we have taken those and we have stood on those and we have believed in those. And we have seen God work. And we've seen the way that God has delivered families and marriages and healing, physical healing. We've seen that. But for some of us, when it comes to our own life, it's like, well, I know he did it for them. I'm not so sure he's going to do it for me. And so our faith begins to, to waver. That's what the disciples did. 
That's what the psalmist is saying. Lord, I've got confidence. I know you can do it. You're all this. But, Lord, it's really getting rough around me. He says, hear my voice. Don't hide your face from me. Lord, don't forsake me. But he closes, and we're going to be done with this. Look at verse 13, the last two verses. He closes, and he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You know what's hard for me too? I'm just, a lot of things are hard for me, I guess. You know what's tough? Waiting on God is tough. I want God to work on my time schedule. Lord, I've got this problem. I've got this difficulty and I want you to work right now. But that is not always the way that God works. Remember the lady with the issue of blood? She had it for 12 years and finally she came to Jesus and she found healing. It may be that you're going through a season in your life right now and things are difficult and they've been difficult for a long time and because of the length of the journey, you are losing your faith, you're losing your confidence. And so the psalmist closes down and he says, Lord, I do have confidence and I'm going to wait on you because I trust you. It may be that you're in this season and it's really difficult in life and so the message is wait upon God. There's a lady that, that I pray for uh, once, probably over three months. And we've been praying for years and years, probably over a decade. And we're praying for her sons and their battle with alcoholism. And every time she comes, we pray the same prayer. But what I love about it is she keeps coming and she keeps trusting God even though it has not been delivered yet. See, there may be something that you're going through and you've been going through it so long, you just, you just have given up on God. And you've grown complacent to where you say, this is just where I am in life. And so I'm challenging you, don't accept it the way it is. Seek after God. Trust God. Pray. Pray that God would intervene in a great and a big and a mighty way. Great faith leads to a great confidence. Great faith leads to a great intimacy, and great faith is something that we must work on every day of our life. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to think about how this applies to you and how it applies to your life. As you look upon your life, where is, where is your faith? Right now, as you sit in this, in this sanctuary, would you say, man, my faith, is, my faith is strong. I believe in the power of God. I know the character of God. Or would you be honest and say, my, my faith is really, really at a weak spot. I want to ask you to pray. You say, well, how do I, how do I grow my, my faith? Well, I think like we saw last week, you delight yourself in God. My delight is in the law of God, and on it I meditate day and night. You begin to delight in God, and I believe your faith will be strengthened. And then it will strengthen the intimacy that you have with God. Seek after God in your life. Lord, I, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the time that we have together, Lord. Thank you for your word, how it speaks to us. Lord, I pray that you've challenged us, God, and that, God, that the, the ways that we have given up and we've just grown complacent, Lord, I pray we'll give those to you. We'll have faith. We'll know that you have the power, God, and we will wait and we will trust in you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.